Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. This is going to be a quick one. We're recapping Vanderpump Rules and The Real Housewives of Miami Reunion Part 2, so let's just get the fuck into it, shall we? All right, let's talk about last week's Vanderpump Rules. So keep in mind, this was the episode that Andy Cohen famously teased as not being edited post-Scandival, despite everything that we see uh, definitely implying that Raquel is a homewrecking whore. So um, I guess that was just always going to be the storyline. We just got, like, way more of it than anyone could have anticipated. So lucky us. <laughs> The girls are still in Vegas, and Raquel has just taken her tongue out of Oliver's mouth. They head back to the hotel room, and Raquel is wasted. And it's unfortunate because Katie's not on her Tequila Katie shit, Lala is sober, and Christina is secretly pregnant. Raquel drunkenly makes herself some midnight munchies, sans tinfoil, of course, because Raquel has learned that tinfoil can't go in the microwave. She really is like a teenager. A horny teenager. <laughs> Katie asks Raquel about Oliver, and Katie draws a clear line between the Oliver of it all and the Schwartz of it all. Raquel likes guys who her friends also like, and who are, oftentimes, married. Lala then tells Raquel straight up, When you're drinking, I wouldn't trust you around my man. And Raquel replies, all bambi-eyed and dumb as shit, Well, thank God you don't have a man to have around. Honestly, she's lucky that Lala is sober, cause drunk Lala would have clocked a bitch. Raquel heads back to her room, but just to set up her twinkly nightlight. Then she's back in the hallway listening in on the new Witches of WeHo talking shit about her. I feel like this new trio, Katie, Lala, and Christina, they're like the reboot version of the Witches of WeHo. Like the new Hocus Pocus movie. It's not what we're used to, it's not what we want, but we'll take what we can get. For a split second, I feel bad for Raquel, but the reason I don't really feel bad in this situation is because she did it to herself. Why would she go out with a bunch of sober sallies and then get sloppy drunk? Read the room, Raquel. But to be fair, have we confirmed that she even can read? The next morning, Raquel offers an apology to the girls and tells them that she feels embarrassed. She says she doesn't remember anything, but she knows she said something offensive to Lala. Okay, she clearly remembers, but whatever. Lala explains what Raquel had said to her and how it comes across. Lala in her confessional says she's not judging because she herself has done some pretty shady shit in the past, but she's no longer in that place and she and Raquel are just on different wavelengths. To be fair, Raquel seems to be on a wavelength all of her own. Back in LA, Sheena's playing Regina George to Schwartz's Katie Heron. She's in full makeover mode, matchmaker mode, obsessed with her new little project mode. It's giving Sheena doesn't have a life of her own. The Witches of WeHo 2.0 all step up and really support her, give her solid advice and hugs, and even pull over to this really gross rest stop to give her some time to recoup. For a second, I thought Raquel might actually use this moment to grow and start focusing on being the best version of herself and not the best version of Sheena. But I thought wrong. Tom and Tom are discussing Lisa and Ken's offer to essentially buy them out of TomTom Tom to reinvest that money into Schwartz and Sandy's, and Schwartz is using the most rational decision-making process he knows, using a magic 8-ball. Honestly, with the way his life has gone, Schwartz using a magic 8-ball to make all of his decisions really tracks. <laughs> in Havasu at dinner, Raquel's wild night in Vegas is addressed, and it's awkward. 
Okay, so Sheena is, in my opinion, the ultimate pick-me girl. All she needs is one person to look her way or tell her she's pretty or that she's right, and that's who Raquel has been apprenticing under, and that's who she's become. So as soon as Charlie arrives in Havasu, which, okay, really quick, can I address how gorgeous this house is? Like, nicest house that the Pump Rules cast has probably ever set foot inside. Um, so, so Charlie arrives, and she just immediately starts telling Raquel that she was right over something she wasn't even there for. And all it takes is that one person telling Raquel she was right for all of the apologies and crying and admitting that she has no idea who she is or what she's doing right out the window. I mean, I'm sure in the moment Charlie thought writing hard for Raquel was the right thing to do, and certainly the more entertaining thing to do, and she's not wrong about that part. But now, in hindsight, post-Scandival, I bet she feels pretty stupid. Okay, so like, I do get why people think Lala is being hypocritical in how she's addressing Raquel, given her own past. I get it, I'm not an idiot. But I am of the belief that sometimes the person who's been exactly where you are is the best person to hear advice from. And I'm also of the belief that telling someone how to respond in a situation that you yourself have been in doesn't make you a hypocrite, it makes you a person who actually has some damn good insight. I just wish that Lala had addressed Raquel from that point of view. You know, had she said to Raquel what she said to us in her confessionals, I think it would have landed better both with Raquel and with the audience. She needs to be super clear and just be like, look, I used to be a drunk, messy bitch who would flirt with guys to get a rise out of other girls. Cough, cough, Schwartz and Katie. I'm a messy bitch who dated a married man to get ahead. I was an alcoholic and I made terrible decisions and those decisions affected a lot of people. Don't be like me. Even when Raquel tries to throw it back and be like, well, you slept with James, so you shouldn't be trusted with my man. And Lala goes, that was six years ago, and I was drinking. And then Raquel fires back, well, I was drinking last night. Like, this was a perfect opportunity for Lala to be like, babe, I was an alcoholic, and I made a terrible decision. I'm not defending that. I'm telling you to not be like that. But she kind of dropped the ball. Like, had she said it from that POV, I honestly think all of the viewers would be like, yup. But she didn't address it from that POV, so unfortunately a lot of the people are like, nope. <laughs> like, I legit saw a bunch of Team Raquel tweets after this episode, and knowing what she does moving forward, yikes. Some people just don't get it. I also feel like Raquel's only arguments are like, well, Lala did it too, and that's such a weird defense for shitty behavior that has made other people really uncomfortable. Especially when you wouldn't defend Lala's behavior, so why are you trying to be like her? Stop giving them Lala, Raquel. So Katie has had it at this point, telling Raquel that she could light her ass on fire for trying to make out with her husband. Yes, they're still married at this point. And yes, I 100% am on team Katie here. I know people think Schwartz is a free man and Raquel doesn't owe Katie anything, but I disagree. And I think anyone who's acting like they wouldn't feel some type of way if their mutual friend slash coworker started pursuing their ex of 10 plus years immediately after breaking up is lying to themselves. The next morning, Charlie and Raquel decide to head back to LA to go meet up with Tom Schwartz. <laughs> but before they leave, Raquel has to tell Katie where she's off to and remind Lala that Oliver chose her to make out with. Raquel has learned nothing, and in fact, it seems like she's poking. This feels intentional to me. Like, it feels like she's enjoying getting a rise out of Katie and Lala. And it feels mean. She also seems to only care about winning the attention of a man. Schwartz picks me. Oliver picks me. It's desperate. That night, the witches have gone western and are at a cowboy bar. Lala happens to find some guys that make her V tingle, so she's having a good old time. Ye freaking ha. Meanwhile, in LA, Sheena is hosting Boys Night. It's also desperate, but on brand. But at this boys' night, Tom Sandoval mentions that Raquel and Charlie left the girls' trip early. 
But how did Tom know? Who was he talking to? Just curious, that's all. So a little while later, Raquel and Charlie show up, and when I say Sandoval lights up, wow. He looks in love, and allegedly, this was the night that the affair began. I mean, I could see it all over his face. Underneath the gross mustache, that is. So on The Real Housewives of Miami Reunion Part 2, the episode begins with Alexia telling Lisa that if she had more confidence, Lenny wouldn't have cheated. <laughs> oh. She also says that she's overcome all of the things in her life that she has because she believes she's a star. But as has been explained to Alexia over and over and over again, it's not about her own self-confidence. It's about how she treats other people. They quickly cut to commercial break, and Alexia goes to thank Julia for being gracious and accepting her apology. They then show an unseen clip of Julia trying to bridge the gap between Adriana and the rest of the OGs. And did I mishear this, or did Alexia just accuse Julia of making everything an LGBTQ issue, and then claim that she herself was more a part of the LGBTQ community than Julia, the lesbian? Because Alexia married a gay man. Um, that's not really how this works, Alexia. She really does say the stupidest shit. I'm not even really sure why this clip was shown or why Alexia's ex is brought up. I, I didn't follow, but before I knew it, Alexia and Adriana are screaming at each other in the dressing room. Alexia once again is saying that someone is jealous of her, has to be, why else would they dislike her? This is Alexia's go-to, and it's why the girls, and the audience frankly, are starting to turn on her. And Alexia knows it. She starts crying because she feels like she's being painted as a mean girl, but Adriana quickly calls out her crocodile tears. Adriana says that Alexia doesn't feel anything, all she does is deflect, and she never apologizes. But Alexia doesn't apologize to the devil, she says. Okay, that's fair, and I totally get having one person in your life that you dislike so much that you'll just never apologize to them, but Alexia doesn't apologize to anyone, and that's the issue. Kiki joins the reunion, and she looks great. I, I truly love her. She's my favorite friend of. And I'm so glad she's here, but why is the couch so damn small? She's literally sitting on Marisol's lap. I'm also confused why Marisol and Adriana came out last episode, but Kiki just came out this episode when they're all considered friends. Curious. Very curious. Gertie says she has sex three times a week, which sounds exhausting if you ask me, but then Larsa says that she was having sex four times a night, every night, for 24 years. Um, I can't even begin to wrap my brain around what that would do to a vagina, but like, I'm pretty certain that a dick would literally fall off. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but that's my diagnosis. Your penis will fall off. That leads into the conversation about Larsa and her new beau, Michael Jordan's son. I don't remember his name, so we're gonna call him Michael Jordan's son. It's definitely weird for a multitude of reasons, but when I think of Larsa, I don't think of normal, so yeah. The gang is asked if they think Larsa hits below the belt, and it's nearly unanimous. Larsa is definitely the messiest one on the cast, if you ask me, but she's not vindictive, she's just like chaotic. Like, with Alexia, you can see the vitriol and the hate when she spews her shit, you know? Um, especially about Adriana. But with Larsa, it really feels like she's just having fun, <laughs> which is maybe even worse. Like, sociopathic. 
Kiki and Marisol say that they think Larsa is just reactionary, and I don't disagree, but her reactions are not on par with the things that are setting her off. Like, Nicole saying that she had to look her up is not the same as Larsa saying Nicole fucked every doctor in the hospital. They just aren't. Mortgage gate and renting out your backyard gate are then brought up, and Lisa's basically just like, yeah, I have a mortgage, so what? Yeah, we rent our backyard, so what? Which is literally the exact opposite of what she said in the moment, but is literally the exact thing she should have said in the moment. Larsa doubles down on Dr. Nicole and the rumors about her sleeping with all of the doctors at the hospital, this time with Marisol joining in on the attack. Truly, why do they hate Dr. Nicole so much? Like, I know I just made fun of Alexia for saying that everyone's jealous of her, but like, they're all so jealous of Dr. Nicole. Then, as if these women couldn't make themselves look any stupider, Larsa says that she has a real job, unlike Dr. Nicole, who just puts people to sleep. Larsa truly doesn't seem to understand how stupid she is, because she's too stupid to understand. Alas, that is the problem with being an idiot. Julia chimes in to support Nicole. She explains that while all of the other women are judging Nicole based off of their interactions on the show filming being a housewife, Julia got to see her in her scrubs, at work, in the hospital, doing her job, and to question her professionalism and make jabs about her career, I mean, it's not only stupid, but it's really low. Larsa is still pissed about the comments Anthony made about her, calling her a homewrecker, and that seems to be driving a lot of this. Nicole explains that Anthony's been pissed since Larsa brought up that their son was born out of wedlock, and even Andy agrees that Anthony has a right to be pissed, which makes sense considering he has two kids as a single man. On another break, Larsa's going on and on about how no one else has anything to talk about because they're all obsessed with her, and that Anthony must be in love with her because he can't stop talking about her. She's ridiculous, an absolute caricature of a human being. Like, don't get me wrong, I understand why people like her, because she's a cartoon. And people like cartoons. Alright guys, thank you so much for joining me for an all-new, albeit short and sweet, episode of Blonde Hair Blackheart. As always, please go follow me on social media, at Blonde Hair Blackheart. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and go give me a 5-star rating or review. Oh, also, go tell your friends to listen, because that's what friends do. You, like, share the wealth. You gift people knowledge, and the knowledge of knowing this show exists... I mean, that's invaluable. All right, guys. Love you. Till next time. Bye. Bye.